Good morning, friends. Happy New Year to you all. Today's reading comes from the Old Testament. It's from the book of Ecclesiastes. If you'd like to follow it, you're not sure where it is. If you open up your Bible right in the middle, you'll probably come to the Psalms. There's 150 of those. Flick on through, you'll find a few Proverbs. And right after that, that's where you find Ecclesiastes. And that's where our reading comes from this morning. The words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What does man gain from all his labor at which he, could, at which he toils under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains the same. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow to the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, or the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. There is no remembrance of those of old. Even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I devoted myself to study and to explore the wisdom of all that is done under heaven. Yeah. When a heavy burden God has laid on men, I have seen all the things that are done under the sun, all of them are meaningless, are chasing after the wind. What is twisted cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I thought to myself, look, I have grown and increased in wisdom more than anyone who has... Uh, More than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me, I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But as I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind, for with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Good morning. Just in case you don't know, my name is Chris. I'm one of the leaders here at Dorster Community Church. If you were here last week, you might have noticed that when Glyn got up to speak, he said to the Bible readers they went to sit down, Thanks, darling. <laughs> I thought he may be starting to, start to uh, strike out with a new trend. So I was thinking, maybe I've got a possibility here to say to the attractive lady who's going to be doing the Bible reading this week, thanks, darling. But unfortunately, of course, it was Chris Martin. <laughs> so all I can say is, thanks, Chris. Today we start a new four-week series from the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, so we're, gonna, we're looking at chapter one today, and we're looking at subsequent two, three, and four in the next three weeks. 
And the, the title for these four weeks is The Meaning of Life. And today's talk is Life is Fleeting, Make It Count. I can remember thinking when I was younger, there's so much time to be able to do all the things I want. There's years ahead. Because time seems to pass so quickly when you're younger. But now I look back and I think, where have all the years gone? The majority, presumably, of my life has already gone. And what have I I achieved that really counts? Is that the same with you? God says to you and me, there is still time. If I was to ask you, what are life's greatest questions? What would you say? Anybody? Why are we here? Good question. Any other questions that are worth asking? What's it all about? Anything else? Where are we going? Where are we going? Oh, I think you've cracked it here. Who am I? Who am I? Very good question. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Another good question. Do you think these questions that you're saying now are the the questions that the average man on the street would be asking? You think so? I looked up on the internet what it said were life's greatest questions. And one of the responses was that the most important and the most basic questions of life are actually very few in number. Many, many important and basic questions exist and must be dealt with. But the most basic and the most important questions are these three. And you'd be very pleased with yourselves when I say what they are. From where did we come? Why are we here? And where are we going? And anyone who will not consider these questions is, to put it bluntly, recklessly irresponsible and has a poor awareness of the reality of life. Sadly, much of our society choose to ignore these questions, particularly questions one and question three, which then gives a distorted answer to question two. Why are we here? As we can't possibly know why we're here if we don't know where we've come from and where we're going. World philosophers offer the widest range of answers to the question, why are we here? And the leading reason for the broad scope of answers to this question is due to a lack of attention directed towards the other two questions. Ignorance or indifference towards where we came from and where we're going encourages people to live just for the here and now. If we were to take Ecclesiastes chapter 1 at face value, with, no, with rough reference to nothing else, it would have to be described as a very depressing chapter. It basically concludes that everything, including life, is meaningless. The book of Ecclesiastes was written by the king of Israel, Solomon, sometime before his death in 911 BC. 
He was a man known for his great wisdom and someone who also had great wealth, power, honour, reputation and God's favour. He literally had it all. Most of us don't have it all and probably wish we did. We spend most of our lives working and the main reason we work is to earn money. To do probably three things. Firstly, to eat, which we have to do again and again and again, because food only temporarily satisfies. Secondly, to own or possess stuff, which we can never have enough of and brings only fleeting satisfaction. And thirdly, to do things such like visits to cinemas and theatres and going on holiday. But we always end up coming home again and doing it all over again i.e. it's just a fleeting satisfaction. Actor Jim Carrey once said, I wish all people could get rich and famous and have all they ever dreamt of so that they would know it's not the answer. Johnny Wilkinson, the rugby player, in describing what it was like winning the Rugby World Cup for England in 2003 it being the pinnacle of his career and something almost every schoolboy around the country dreams of. He said, I had already begun to feel the elation slipping away from me during the lap of honour around the field. I couldn't believe that all the effort was losing its worth so soon. This was something I had fantasised about achieving since I was a child. In my head... I had reached the peak of a mountain and now all that was left was slowly descending the other side. I had just achieved my greatest ambition and it felt a bit empty. The setting for Ecclesiastes is Solomon looking back on his life, much of which was lived apart from God. He analyses his life experiences and and its meaning. He explains how everything he tried and tested and tasted was useless, irrational, pointless, foolish and empty, an exercise in futility. With all of his practical insight on life, Solomon failed to heed his own advice and his life began in a downward spiral. But near the end of his life, he looked back with an attitude of humility and repentance. He took stock of the world as he had experienced it, hoping to spare his readers the bitterness of learning through personal experience that everything apart from God is empty, hollow and meaningless. Solomon concludes in his book with the last two verses of chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, with the words, that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. When Solomon says fear God... He doesn't mean the same as be scared of him. 
but in a sense of being in awe of him, of his greatness, as we just sang, in how great thou art. In Hebrews 9 and verse 27 and 28, it says, And just as each person is destined to die once, for all time, as a... Sorry, uh, to die once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. All of Solomon's remarks relating to the futility of life are there for a purpose to lead people to seek true happiness in God alone. Solomon affirms the value of knowledge, relationships, work and pleasures, but only in their proper place. All of these temporary things in life should be seen in the light of the eternal. We sang in the song, How Great Thou Art. When Christ shall come, with shout of acclamation and take me home. What joy shall fill my heart. Solomon's conclusion of life is that the only real reason for living is for faith in God. And everything else in comparison has little purpose. Meaning in our accomplishments rather than God never brings lasting satisfaction. All human accomplishments will one day disappear And this needs to be kept in mind in order to live wisely. Perhaps God is asking us in this new year of 2022 to rethink our purpose and direction in life, as Solomon did in Ecclesiastes. Perhaps we should include him in all we say, in all we do, and in all we think particularly if he alone knows why he made us. In Jeremiah 29 verse 11 it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Life's experiences are not always happy, but the world tells us to demand happiness to do all we can to attain it and make personal satisfaction our chief goal. But the problem is that people and circumstances change quickly. True and lasting happiness comes from pleasing God. So it cannot be achieved. It can only be received through our relationship with him, through his son Jesus because only God knows what is best for us. He's the one that never changes, as we learned through our theme from last year, changing times, but unchanging God. Solomon says in verses 16 to 18, which Chris eventually got to, that even in his great wisdom, he could not find the lasting satisfaction he was seeking. Wisdom in itself brought grief rather than satisfaction. Knowledge is simply a tool for living life better, not the end for which we were created. 
One common belief held by some is that only good people prosper and only the wicked suffer. But Solomon goes on to say, the more you understand, the more pain and difficulty you experience. The more you know, the more imperfection you see around you. And the more you observe, the more evil becomes evident. In finding the meaning of life, we need to be ready to feel more, to think more, to question more, to hurt more, and do more. Solomon highlights there being two kinds of wisdom in the book of Ecclesiastes. Firstly, human knowledge, reasoning, or philosophy. And secondly, the wisdom that comes from God. And in these verses where Solomon is talking about life being meaningless, he is talking about human knowledge. When human knowledge ignores God, it only highlights our problems because it can't provide the answers that need an eternal perspective and solution. Last week, Glenn announced our theme for the year, loving life, trusting God. It's very easy to say we trust in God. But in reality, how much do we trust God? How deep is our trust? In 1956, the United States Congress, under President Dwight D. Eisenhower, signed into law a bill that required the inscription, In God We Trust, appear on all paper and coin currency. It became the official motto of the United States, in God we trust. And this was in response and in opposition to the atheistic society promoted by the then Soviet Union. However, there is a trust which recognises that he exists, but another trust in God that puts our whole reliance on him. You may have heard the story about Charles Blondin, the French tightrope walker who, walked, who in the 19th century used to walk across a tightrope the, across the Niagara Falls between Canada and America. He would attract huge crowds to watch him and walk across this rope which was 160 feet above the water and 1,100 feet long from one side to the other. The entire walk from the American bank to the Canadian bank took 23 minutes. And if he was to fall, it would be to a certain death on the rocks below. The crowd would gasp and were stunned by his bravery and skill. And as the crowd's admiration for his amazing feat continued to grow, he would cross the rope blindfolded and then on stilts. And then he would cross the rope trundling a wheelbarrow across it. And he would get huge applause with everyone in great awe and wonder. He then said to the crowd, who believes I could take someone sitting in the wheelbarrow across? By now the crowd had so much respect for this man and seen how skillful he was. They said, of course you can, of course you can. He then said, who's gone and volunteered to be that person? The crowd went definitely silent. It's one thing to say you believe and trust, but totally another to prove it. 
They showed their belief through their words, but when it came to acting it out, they weren't prepared to put themselves on the line. That's a big challenge to our faith and our belief. How much are we prepared to really put our faith into action? Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Do we really trust God? Do we really believe all his promises? There are times when we think God doesn't know what he's doing. As he, all, as he allows things to happen even though we've prayed for the opposite. Which in turn has the potential to damage our trust in him. But if God has the full picture of time in his hand, it's not surprising that our thinking is not always in line with his. We have no alternative but to trust God. Why? When Jesus asked his disciples, when life was getting tough, if they still wanted to put their trust in him, Peter replied in John chapter 6 and 68, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. And how did the disciples know that God could be trusted, that Jesus could be trusted? Because they spent time with him. They got to know him. And they saw him in action. And that's the same for us. So with Solomon stating that life is meaningless without God, what is the true meaning of life? The Christian organisation Youth with a Mission, known as YWAM, have as their motto, to know God and make him known. I don't think I've come across anything as succinct as that in describing the meaning of life. And putting our trust in God in God will result in us loving life, even though plenty of difficulties will be faced. Ultimately, the great truth of Ecclesiastes lies in the acknowledgement of God's ever-present hand on our lives. Even when injustice and uncertainty threaten to overwhelm us, we can trust him and follow after him. That was Solomon's conclusion and millions of other people's since then. We all desire meaning in our life. Often that search takes us along winding and up and down paths, filled with bursts of satisfaction that shine bright for a time, but then eventually fade. In one sense, it's satisfying to see that that experience echoed throughout Ecclesiastes, an appreciation for our common humanity emerges from reading its pages. We relate to the journey of Solomon because so many of us have the same journey. When we attempt to find meaning in the pursuit of pleasure and the commitment to a job or through plumbing intellectual depths, we all eventually find in each of these pursuits a dead end. Ecclesiastes shows us a man who lived through this process and came out on the other side with a wiser, more seasoned perspective.
When we're surrounded by the temptation to proclaim life's ultimate emptiness, we can find in Ecclesiastes a vision tempered by experience and ultimately seen through divine coloured lenses. Life is destined to remain unsatisfying apart from our recognition of God's intervention. It only remains to be seen whether or not we will place our trust in his sure and able hands. Last week, on the first Sunday of the month, we took communion together for the first time for a long time. To me, that felt so good and so right. After all, the cross is central to everything we do and to everything we believe in. From the putting to death of all our wrong and past mistakes that Jesus was so willing to take on himself, to being washed clean by his blood, to life overcoming the despair of death, to the promise of a future eternity with the God who loves us unreservedly. That is the God to whom we put in our trust. That is the God who turns a life of potential meaningless into a life of purpose. That is the God that turns our sorrow into joy. That is the God that will never let us go. That is why our life should be focused on serving him in any way we can. Because all that really matters is what is lasting, what is eternal. Life is fleeting. Make it count. We have a number of crucial areas in our church life that we need more support for. Why not try something out to see if you could be suited to it, even though you may be currently unsure? Just to name one thing, amongst many, we are looking for someone to produce our weekly newsletter that Sue Budden has kindly been producing for a while now, but understandably now has to give up. Could you give it a try? with no obligation to do it long term. If you were prepared to do it, to try it out, then please let me or one of the other elders know. Life is fleeting. Make it count. The thief on the cross goes to the, end, goes to the end, very end of his life before he discovered what life was really all about. He had wasted the whole of his life on worthless and meaningless pursuits that had had no contribution to life beyond the grave. Let's put our trust in God now to show us how he wants us to serve him. Amen.